0: In General Pershing's words, it didn't hurt America to have a general so bold that he was dangerous.
1: You who have not seen it do not know what hell looks like from the top. That's what Germany looks like. That's what Austria looks like. That's what any place that the 8th Air Force and the 3rd Army worked on looks like. You must remember this, that from Brest to various towns in southern Germany and Austria, whose names I can't pronounce, but whose places I have removed, the trail of the 3rd Army and the 19th Tactical Air Command and the 8th Air Force is marked by more than 40,000 white crosses, 40,000 dead Americans.
2: Fighting soldiers from the sky, fearless men who jump and die, men who mean just what they say, the brave men of the Green Beret, silver wings upon their chest. These are men America's best. One hundred men will test today, but only three when the Green Beret trained to live nature's land, trained in combat hand to hand, men who fight by night and day, courage take from the green beret, silver wings up on their chest, these are men, America. My friend will test you today
3: but only free when the green dream Good morning, it's time to wake up y'all. You're listening to the Armchair Quarterback Show. We're here weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern, 7 Central to 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central. Available on Google Android, Apple iPhone, Facebook Live, and Periscope Twitter. Tap that Armchair Quarterback's app. Take us anywhere you go. The Armchair Quarterback Show, your first choice for Southern Sports Talk. Good morning, Mr. Justin Waller.
4: Good morning. I don't know much, but I know one thing. Thank you to all of our veterans. Thank you for your sacrifice, your bravery, and your service to our countries. Have a happy Veterans Day.
3: Hi, I'm Mac McGinn. I don't know much, but I know one thing. This is one of our most important holidays that we celebrate, and I think it's Justin and I's favorite show. We are going to do a salute to service. Sean O'Toole is on the way as well. As we do this every year, we uh, pick a handful of guys that we like to uh, spotlight that were great in The sports world were also great Americans and gave their best to make sure we have these freedoms. Here is a speech from Ronald Reagan in the early 80s. If we look to the answer as to
0: why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before freedom and the dignity the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth the price for this freedom at times has been high but we have never been unwilling to pay that price those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes they just don't know where to look the sloping hills of arlington national cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers bearing crosses or stars of david they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom each one of those markers is a monument to the kind of hero i spoke of earlier their lives ended in places called bellow wood the Argonne, omaha beach Salerno, and halfway around the world on Guadalcanal, Tarawa, Chop Hill, the Chosin Reservoir, and in a hundred rice paddies and jungles of a place called Vietnam. Under one such marker lies a young man, Martin Treptow, who left his job in a small-town barber shop in 1917 to go to France with the famed Rainbow Division. There on the western front, he was killed trying to carry a message between battalions under heavy artillery fire. We're told that on his body was found a diary. On the flyleaf, under the heading, My Pledge, he had written these words, America must win this war, therefore I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure, I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. We must realize that no arsenal or no weapon in the arsenals of the world is so formidable as the will and moral courage of free men and women. It is a weapon our adversaries in today's world do not have. It is a weapon that we as Americans do have. Let that be understood by those who practice terrorism and prey upon their neighbors. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans.
3: Armchair. Sure. Community Access Channel. And I'm Welcome to the Armchair Quarterbacks Radio Show. I know that one's a little lengthier than normal, but I think it's one of the best speeches that's ever been given by anybody, uh, much less a U.S. president. Uh, Welcome you on the shows, Mr. Justin Waller. Justin, how are you today, sir? Oh, doing great,
4: Mac. Uh, excited for today's show. And, uh, yeah, just uh, glad to... Uh, glad I'm around some veterans and going to hang out this afternoon. i uh, brother-in-law and uh, just... Uh, yeah, it's a good day of remembrance for past and present. To all of those who have uh, served our country.
3: Now, are y'all are y'all uh, open today? Are you yes. He- okay, I figured you were because mo- usually the uh, the the uh, restaurant business or however you want to classify. Yours is uh, always open, so I I figured that this wasn't one that you took off. I know there's a lot of... uh, I'm in the
4: restaurant retail business. I get a double whammy.
3: Right, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Um, I know that there's uh, a lot of restaurants out there that are uh, going to either give a huge discount or let the veterans eat free today, so I I would encourage people to look that up If if you just search it. Locally, I'm sure you'll find uh, quite a few. I know Applebee's always does that. That's the one that I always think of. Um, absolute madhouse. I worked at Applebee's years ago, and on Veterans Day, it's like Mother's Day on steroids, right? It's like <laughs> like people are crying in the kitchen, shaking. <laughs> like, it's just it's it's like nonstop, but it, it's a, it's a really cool day because. I worked a couple of those and, uh, it was really cool to see a lot of the men and women would actually come in, uh, dressed in their unis. Of course, where, where I was working at the time wasn't too far from a military base, but it, it was a really cool, uh, uh, experience. And I don't think I realized how cool it was until years later. Um, before we get into our, uh, our, um, salute to service, want to go ahead and try to hit batting practice real quick won't spend a whole lot of time on this but man we got some major news yesterday last night that we're gonna lose three southeastern conference football games today or excuse me this weekend tennessee texas a&m alabama lsu and what was the third one auburn miss was auburn mississippi state is that what- yes okay uh i see that the Tennessee game has been rescheduled till the 12th of December, as well as the Auburn game. But they don't know if they're going to be able to reschedule LSU because LSU already had to reschedule because of Florida's COVID outbreak. And so it, it looks like that game is just going to get canceled. What say you?
4: I mean, do you really need to replay an LSU game this year? I don't think Alabama LSU is going to be anything surprising to us. Uh, I hope it is uh, if we ever get to see it, but I uh, really don't think it's the spectacle that we anticipated when uh, we found out that we were going to have Master Saturday going into Alabama LSU. And uh, now we don't even get that. So. Little bummed out by it. Uh, As a Tennessee fan, I'm excited. I mean, that gets me. I get to kick a loss down the road. Um, Hopefully, coming off a big win of Florida, we can match up well against Texas A&M.
3: Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that as a Tennessee fan, (laughs) dude, it's terrible because you're going to go back to back. You're going to put everything on the line against Florida. You're going to have nothing left against A and M, and that game could. It's funny Tennessee could have a big big hand in the in the college football playoffs in back-to-back weeks because Florida and A&M are going to be uh, fighting out, hoping to be a second team from the Southeastern Conference going in, because I think it's a foregone conclusion that unless Alabama loses a regular season game, which I don't see them doing, and or just gets absolutely blown out in the SEC championship game, which I seriously doubt that happens that Alabama's going to be in the playoffs. I think it's a foregone conclusion that most likely Ohio State's going to be in the playoffs. And I think the others are most likely, if Clemson can win their games, that they should, including the ACC title game because it'll be closer to home, that Clemson will probably be in, and it might be Notre Dame, but you never know what because Notre Dame does Notre Dame things all the time. Notre Dame's playing Boston College this weekend, and the first thing I thought of when I saw that it's, it's a flashback to any Florida State fan worth their salt that uh, 1993, Notre Dame had a huge win at home against Florida State and vaulted them up to almost a shoe-in to play for the national championship. And the very next week, it was Boston College that came a knocking that was unranked and went into South Bend and beat Notre Dame on Notre Dame's field. And that eliminated Notre Dame from the plus. Notre Dame fans still complain about that, but I'm like, sorry, dude. You can't lose to a team that I don't even know if they made a bowl game that year. But if, if they did, they barely made a bowl game and, and say that you're the number one team in the country. When the week before, you, what it was is Notre Dame won by a touchdown. Actually, by one play because Florida State had the – everyone thinks that, that game is Notre Dame dominating. It Florida State came rallying back and uh, FSU had the ball on the 17-yard line with one play left. And if Charlie Ward would have seen the, the guy wide open in the far right of the end zone, it would have been a non-factor. But my point is, Notre Dame has been known to drop a game after winning a big game. They've done it for years. And I don't know if it's the hype on the campus or whatever. I don't put every team the same, but Notre Dame could lose a game before they ever meet Clemson. And if they lose a game and then lose to Clemson, there's no way Notre Dame gets in, which means Tennessee put, has a stranglehold on who possibly could be going to the the playoffs. If you beat them both, you, you ruin both their seasons. But if you just beat one, you, you ruin one of their seasons.
4: I mean, before we even get that far, I think the biggest thing for Tennessee fans is we now have two weeks to get uh, Harrison Bailey ready for Auburn. So to me, that that's the that's the silver lining in this that maybe you can you know turn this thing around, right? And but I'm talking you, about you on got four a games to flip this stage. season.
3: Yeah, I'm not talking about just yeah. Well, Tennessee's
4: it, never owned that, so I don't think like that. I'm yeah, but,
3: but what I'm saying <laughs> is that Tennessee's going to be right in the middle of it. Is it you 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 may if not, they unless they not be able back back to make the their playoffs, old but you can decide who's going to make the playoffs, which has got to be fun.
4: I think you have a valid point if Harrison Bailey steps up and is the guy for those two games. But he needs these two weeks to get him prepared for Auburn. And I'm sorry, Cheney Pruitt. It's on the back of you two gentlemen to uh, have that young man prepared to play. Now, The other big news is uh, Sam Pittman, head coach of Arkansas, will not coach this weekend versus Florida. I've seen uh, he's tested positive as well. And uh, I'm sure all eyes will be on that locker room to see if they have any more. Um, and I was looking forward to that game.
3: Yeah, that, and I don't want to see that. I don't
4: want to see that game uh, minus Pittman. Uh, that, that's unfortunate there because I, I think he's done a heck of a job, and uh, I'd like to see him at full strength.
3: Yeah, th- well, that's another situation because Florida had 38 consecutive weeks of of not playing football that uh, that they don't have any wiggle room. Um, I mean, if it were me doing it, I would I would do things like. Uh, Florida, you're not playing Vanderbilt this year. You're going to play uh, Arkansas instead, right? You know, we don't need to see out, uh, Vanderbilt get the get the floor waxed with them, but it'll be interesting to see if that happens. SEC's got to be scurrying because if they, if they lose another game, I mean, what the hell do we have left on the slate? I haven't even looked at it, but what, what in the world do you even have it on the slate at that point? So that's just, that's just absolutely terrible. Um... Justin, let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk Bob Feller and Yogi Berra. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks on this Veterans Day show. We appreciate you riding us, riding shotgun with us this morning. Make sure to thank a veteran.
4: At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with Talking Fast. Pop stars with Auto-Tune.
5: Yeah, yeah. And
4: dentists with asking questions so, how did he propose? after they've put their hands oh, in your mouth. What? Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much, we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal.
6: Soy latte for Opal? At
4: Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs.
5: And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country.
6: You're listening to the Armchair Quarterbacks on CBS Sports Radio.
3: Up, so you get this Weekends in the fall just got a hell of a lot better. Saturday mornings, it's Dixie Football Nation, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. We talk SEC, ACC the Big Ten, and more. It's the only true Southern football kickoff show on Facebook Live. You don't want to miss it. And now on Sunday mornings at a new time, we're going 11 a.m. Eastern to noon Eastern with the NFL Fantasy Football Stardom Stardom, sit Pick'em Show. We do DFS, season-long fantasy, and we keep a winning record against the spread. 8 to 9 Eastern Saturdays, 11 to noon on Sundays. The Armchair Quarterbacks have got you covered all football season long. so much more than that old piece of cloth on your grandma's porch It gave us that American dream to be anything that we want to be it don't matter where you are from a one room church to an uptown bar don't care if you're black or white or who you love welcome back to the Armchair Quarterbacks Stand for the flag. Stand happy the flag. Veterans Day to everyone Stand out there and uh, make sure you thank a veteran if you run into a veteran I, I know a lot of y'all are uh, homebound and can't can't get out. Uh, still dealing with this terrible COVID situation, and looks like a vaccine's on the way. So that's the good news. Uh, we once we w- once again want to uh, give well wishes to our uh, good friend of the show, uh, Michael Cool. Uh, he is uh, still battling, and uh, I'll, I'll keep you all updated on that. Uh, a lot of people have asked about that. He's he, he's still battling. He says he thinks things have gotten a little better. I I won't get into all the uh, medical jargon because pretty much it's his business. But uh, they've uh, tried some other methods, and it looks like things are going to uh, (laughs) look upward in the very, very, very near future. So hopefully – I did see that he was on this morning, so uh, we appreciate him uh, stopping in and saying hi. Uh, It's got to be taking a lot out of him. Justin, I guess with no further ado, I I don't do music for this, y'all. I just kind of let – the words speak their, their thing. I thought about doing music for it several times, but I'm always worried that the music's going to drown the person out talking. So, uh, just with no further ado, uh, what we do here, y'all, is, is we grab a handful of names and we kind of uh, let people know what they did in case you didn't know what they did. You've you probably heard these people's names. You may not have watched them play. You, they, they might have been before your time, but you've probably heard their names in sport, and you're like, okay, that's great, they were a good player, but did you know they were a great American? And that's what we're focusing on today. Justin, what you got? I'm going to discuss
4: uh, Bob Feller. I found an interesting article, uh, military.com. A uh, section's called Answering the Call, and it's where men and women who served uh, in the military and then went back home to civilian careers uh, talk about their days in uniforms. And uh, the columnist is actually Bob Feller himself. So um, he was a legendary pitcher from the Cleveland Indians who interrupted uh, his career in the majors to enlist in the Navy at the start of World War II as navy chief petty officer robert feller he participated in some of the best known sea battles in the pacific when the war was over he returned to the mound and resumed a straight shot to the baseball hall of fame here is his account in his words of what his military service meant to him i have never had to strain my memory to recall the day i decided to join the navy it was 7 december 1941. i was driving home Driving from my home in Van Meter, Iowa to Chicago to discuss my next contract with the Cleveland Indians. And I heard over the car radio that the Japanese had just bombed Pearl Harbor. I was angry as hell. I'd spent almost six full seasons in the major leagues by then with a record of 107 victories and 54 losses. And I had a family related draft exemption, but I knew right then that I had to answer the call. I arrived in Chicago late that afternoon to meet Cy Slatnicka, the Indians general manager who had come there to talk about my contract for 1942. And I told him about my decision. I then phoned Gene Tunney, the former world heavyweight boxing champion and an old friend, a commander Gene was in charge of the Navy's physical training program. He flew out from Washington and swore me in on Tuesday, December, excuse me, Tuesday, 9th of December. After my basic training, the Navy made me a chief petty officer and assigned me as a physical training instructor. It was it was valuable in its way, but I wanted to go into combat. I had a lot of experience with guns as a kid, so I applied for gunnery school and sea duty. After four months of naval gunnery school in Newport, Rhode Island, I was assigned to a battleship, the USS Alabama, as a gun captain on a forty-millimeter aircraft mount that had a crew of twenty-four. He went on to action in the North Atlantic and discusses that. And he says he got exactly what he wanted. The Alabama spent six months escorting convoys in the North Atlantic. And then in August, 1943, went through the Panama Canal and headed for the Central Pacific. Over the next two years, we saw action in Tarawa, the Marshalls and the Carolines and the Philippines. We bombarded beaches to support amphibious assaults, served as escorts for aircraft carriers and fended off kamikaze attacks. Two enemy bombs hit the ship during the Marianas turkey shoot, and we survived a typhoon that plummeted us with 80 knot gusts off the Philippines coast. The Alabama never lost a man to enemy action. The people we had on the gun crews were very good shots. In 1945, I was sent to Great Lakes Naval Training Center and managed a baseball team there. In the third week of August, just 15 days after the U.S. dropped the atomic bomb on Hiroshima, I went on inactive duty. I was back to baseball after that, I rejoined the Indians on the 23rd of August and pitched eight games. He won five and lost three. Serving in the military is almost always a finding moment for any young man or woman. You're young and impressionable. You meet a lot of new people and you travel to new places and you learn to be on time, how to follow and eventually how to lead. You never forget combat, but it makes a difference when you go through a war. No matter which branch of the service you're in, combat is an experience that you never forget. A war teaches you that baseball is only a game. After all, a minor thing compared to the sovereignty and security of the United States. I once told a newspaper reporter that the bombing attack we lived through on the Alabama had been the most exciting 13 hours of my life. After that, I said the pinstripe perils of Yankee Stadium seemed trivial. That's still true today. I'm a folks is Bob fellers. I just, we had broke him down in the past and I just really wanted to go in when I found his words, uh, nothing hit more true to me that uh, my man just said, Hey, I got to answer the call. And uh, by golly, he did it. So we salute you, Mr. Feller.
3: And I, I don't think this generation, or even our generation understand that Bob Feller was one of the greatest pitchers of all time. Like no one ever really references him as that because he played for some Indian teams that weren't very good. But you go back and look at the statistics alone. Bob Feller was a damn lights-out pitcher, and it's unbelievable how many – do you think today's age – and I'm not going to give anyone specific because it would not be fair – but do you think today's day and age we would have many of our elite athletes going over into war? I just – I have my doubts. I – you know – you talk about the ultimate privilege. You're elite athlete, whether it's NBA or whatever sport. I, I think we would be hard-pressed to find anyone that would give up their millions. And I think we have a few people in our head that were like, I know that guy wouldn't. Um, but what they did and they sacrificed, and some of them lost all. You know, there, there are many that came back, and there are many that did not come back. And, we, and we've talked about that in great length in previous shows. We're just trying to uh, – uh shed the light again um I, I want to make
4: sure i had the number right i don't mean to cut sure, you off but just sure. to nobody to, to the quality of pitcher he was 279 complete games which get you some of that you'll never which, see that done again
3: right which is unheard of nowadays
4: i mean you'll be lucky to see two or three complete games in a man's career
3: <laughs> right um it's it's only been 10 years ago that you hope to get a handful at the very most complete games in, in, in a season, right? Now, it's you might see an elite pitcher get two a year, and one of them is going to be because he's trying to make a run at a no-hitter. But nowadays, even the well, – I know it's a bad ex- example, but it's he, he popped in my head. Um, it's a bad example because he's injured, won't play next year. But you won't see a Justin Verlander type do – do, do that nowadays because they'll, they'll go out there and they'll pull them in the fifth or sixth inning, you know, seventh inning. It's 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 a shame because you don't get to watch what baseball was intended to be, which is mono y mono, and it was really about the starting pitcher going up against every batter and proving I'm better than you. So, will, you know, we're never going to get a Bob Gibson again. We're never going to get until – unless something changes and, you know, things do change, so you never know. It might go back to the other way. But the only way it changes is they – somehow reduce the hell out of the roster. Cause as long as you've got eight guys in your bullpen, which is what it's going to go to for now on next year, you, you're you, you almost feel like you have to pull a guy cause you're like, I can't sit him on the bench. I mean, I, I can't have him on the bench that you, you know, sit, sit there for several days in a row. He'll get rusty. All right. Uh, mine is going, to, uh, the, the, we're going over, uh, right now is, uh, Justin just did a Bob Feller. I'm going to go back and do one of my favorites, the great Yogi Berra. He played 19 seasons in major league baseball and all but the last for the New York Yankees. So he was an 18 time all-star. So keep this in mind. Uh, Won 10 world championships. 10. That's real cute, which uh, there's real cute memes you make about Michael Jordan being so great. 10. (laughs) That's, that's asinine. It means if you combine. Makes Le- out of fingers. It means, I mean, yeah. It means if you combine <laughs> LeBron James and and Michael Jordan, you 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 get into the Yogi Berra stratosphere, uh, unbelievable. And as a catcher too, guys, it's not like he was a shortstop or a second baseman that played all these years and won ten championships on great teams. He was the he was the game. He you know he he called the game, and then your knees, right? Um. Okay, okay so. He had a batting average 285 while hitting 358 home runs, which was a lot back then had 1500 RBIs almost. Uh, He is one of only five players to win the AL MVP three times. He's widely regarded as the greatest catcher in baseball history in the American league, where others would argue it's Johnny Bench in the National League, and then the argument begins. But regardless, he's the greatest American League pitcher. And you, there is no argument before. It's Barra and Bench and then, okay, everything else. Um, but during World War II, Barra served in the U.S. Navy as a gunner's mate. And he was on the attack transport of the USS Bay, Bayfield, excuse me, USS bayfield during the d-day invasion so we always hear about the d-day invasion we always celebrate it in june that man was there he was on the beach and it was his job to go back and forth bringing troops from the from the ship to the land and his main job was to fight off any kind of attack so he was a sitting a duck essentially one of the reasons why he was—I remember reading this years back. One of the reasons why they picked him was because of his small stature. Um, stature, excuse me. You know, everyone always hears Yogi Bear, and they hear—I think what everyone comes to is the Yogiisms, right? But Yogi was a small guy. I think he was five eight, five nine, and a major league catcher, which is just that—that's unheard of because most of those guys were most of your major league catchers are. Are big guys because they had to take – back then they actually protected home plate. I know you're not allowed to do that anymore, but back then you protected home plate or you didn't have a job. And so you got to talk about a guy who's a strong, muscular guy, and that's one of the reasons why they made him a gunner's mate on the USS Bayfield for the D-Day evasion. A second-class seaman, Barra, was one of six-man crew on a Navy rocket ship firing machine guns, and launching rockets at the German Army on Omaha Beach. He was fired upon but not hit several times and later received several commendations for his bravery. During an interview on the 65th anniversary, Barrett confirmed that he was sent to Utah Beach during the invasion as well so he was on both of the main beaches in the uh one of, what is most what is one of the most i don't know if there's a bigger invasion in u.s history the d-day invasion that basically turned the war and uh that's bear uh that, excuse me that's yogi berra for you and then also um yogi berra uh want, want to make sure i have this right he, he got the, uh, presidential medal of honor. I believe it was in 2015. I think, I think he was nominated in 13 and then he received it in 2015 and, um, was in the, he was in the Navy from 43 to 45. So he, so, uh, got the purple heart, And I, I'm probably leaving stuff out, but that's, that's, uh, that's the great Yogi Bear for you. And, um, pretty much one of my favorite athletes of all time. I think we've got think we got Sean coming on the show so this is probably a good time to uh take a quick break when we come back Sean O'Toole will join us and we will continue on with the uh armchair quarterback salute to service we'll be back in a flash here on the armchair quarterbacks keep it locked in I don't return fruit fruit to gamble I know that going in Are you a gun enthusiast, love to shop for guns, but are also looking for friendly service? Well, you're in luck. Here in St. Augustine, Top Gun Supply is the Friendly Gun Shop. Staff is very knowledgeable, happy to see you when you walk through the door, and can assist you with all your gun shopping needs. Top Gun Supply stocks a wide range of firearms, such as Ruger, Beretta, Six Hour, HK, and LWRC. So stop on by at Top Gun Supply. At 525 State Road 16 in St. Augustine. Top gun supply here in St. Augustine. The Friendly Gun Shop. A proud sponsor of the Armchair Quarterbacks. Armchair Quarterback Radio is AFC South Country. All NFL season long.
7: They hand it off for now. He's driving!
3: Then he's in for the touchdown. Wow. Drive starts at the one and looking for a little breathing room and they get that and plenty more. Derek Henry still going. Stays in bounds. He might go. 99 yards for the touchdown. Unbelievable. Second and 10. Empty set. Walk downfield. field. And that is
2: Hilton again. First and goal. Ebro. What a year for
8: him! Eric Ebron!
2: Touchdown, pull, Slant caught! Touchdown! Marquise Lee! And he punched the ball into the stands! Deep! And he's got it! Keelan Cole!
3: Touchdown, Jacksonville! Stay locked in to the AFC South on Armchair Quarterback Radio. air quality is at an all-time low. But hey, that doesn't mean you can't have a little fun! New from Mattel, it's the Greenhouse Gas Gun! Do you hate the snowman next door? Use the Greenhouse Gas Gun! Want to piss off an entire room full of tree-huggers? Use the Greenhouse Gas Gun. There is simply no end to the amount of fun and respiratory disease
4: you can have with the Greenhouse Gas Gun. Armchair.
3: We are the Armchair Quarterback Show. Your first choice
4: for sports talk live from the first Coast. Think of me, babe,
6: whenever some sweet
3: talking girl comes along. Fantasy Sports is back and it's time to jump into DraftKings. Go to DraftKings today at DraftKings.com. Golf, NASCAR, soccer, you name it. And of course, Major League Baseball, basketball, hockey, and football are on the way. Go to DraftKings.com. And listen to the armchair quarterbacks for DFS advice all year round.
6: This is what friendship means to me having so much crap on someone that they can't ever reveal the crap they have on you.
2: I'll give some. Some gave
3: all.
2: Some stood through for the red,
1: white, and blue, and some had to fall.
3: Welcome back here, the Armchair Quarterbacks. Happy Veterans Day.
1: It's
3: always a somber morning as we think of the fall and the ones that never came back. I do have good news for Armchair Nation. Uh, assuming everything went correctly, Timus Wooten is on his way back to the United States. So uh, hopefully he, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping somehow he's actually going to make it into. Uh, he was, <laughs> well, I can't, I can't tell you everything he was saying, but he was complaining to me. That'll be the nicest thing I will say uh, as he was trying to catch a connecting flight in a ill part of the world. <laughs> That's the, that is the <laughs> nicest way I can put that. As I was asking him if he could uh it was during the uh yesterday when uh the boston red sox were uh reintroducing uh alex cora as their general man as their uh, manager excuse me and uh, i was asking him if you know if he could get anywhere close to mlb network tv because i didn't know if he was i knew he was coming back sometime in this area but i didn't know exactly when and uh I told him, you know, if, if he didn't catch you, you'd probably be on YouTube. And if I do see the actual video, I'll share it to the armchair page so it's easier for him to find. But in the middle of that, he, s- <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm going to try to catch that on YouTube sometime because I'm in, and then the rest is bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, man. Just get the hell out of there and get back. Uh, Timus so
4: he- is coming back and Alex Kaur. Collusion. <laughs> yeah,
3: exactly. He's going to be back uh, – uh, God, I think he's been gone. It seems like March ish. I think is when he left. It, it, it was before baseball, and it was before the pandemic hit. So it was right around February, or March, and because the moment that pandemic shut everything down, you know, I accused him of uh, running to go hide hiding some kind of war, so he didn't have to deal with this over here. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, joining us to the show. Uh, Mr. Sean O'Toole, Sean, how are you, sir?
8: I am fantastic. Happy veterans day, uh, to everyone. And, uh, you know, please, if you know anyone in your life that served, I do know a lot of people, um, in my own family and outside of it, I do actually have friends, not many of them, but most of them are veterans. So make sure to thank a veteran today, do what you can, regardless of what it is. Every, everything means something to the folks that serve this country.
3: And I tried to. I had to do this on the fly. I should have been a little more prepared, but I tried to tag a few people in to this that uh, we know that have uh, contributed to the show, uh, that have either served or have done something that I feel patriotic. And uh, if I if I've forgotten any better, you know, you went specifically. Feel, please feel free to uh, tag them into the comments because I, I like to give as as much people. Uh, Love today is possible. You know, sometimes things slip my mind, but, you know, people like Tima's I tagged in. Um, I'm already thinking of a couple right now that I know I forgot. Uh, but <clears throat> anyways, when you're setting this up, Facebook hits live, and, and I've got about 30 seconds to try to do everything and try to get it going and go right into the show. They don't have it set up yet. Hopefully one day they'll have the Zoom Facebook Live set up where you can set it up in the studio and not lose the damn feed. you got about three minutes for when it sits up and goes, go live. Because I've done it before. I've gone, okay, well, I'm going to go get, get me something to drink and wait for the show to get going. And about the time that goes and Justin's joining me, the, the, the thing crashes. And I'm like, son of a! <laughs> That's why sometimes when I uh, tags things in or whatnot, I, I forget about them. Um, before we get it back into our salute to service, uh, this is Wednesday and that means that whether we like it or not, it's time for us to, uh, do our rankings. And, um, I'm, I'm really curious to see where y'all go. And, you know, obviously we have to take out of consideration what's going to happen this weekend because looks like there's going to be a lot of games not played. And it's increasingly possible that when the SEC and ACC are all said and done, they'll have eight or nine games, and it's a good thing they started when they did. And you might end up with a Pac-12 with three because they waited so damn <laughs> long. So I still contend it's going to be almost damn near impossible for anyone but Oregon to slip into the – playoffs and I don't even give them much of a chance, but I'm open to debate. I believe I'll look it up here in a second. Let me not misspeak. Uh, Sean, we'll start with you and who your top five is going five to one.
8: Okay. So from five to one um, at number five, I have Texas A&M that is, you know, could still write itself because it it seems a fait accompli that we're going to get barring some, some upheaval and mischief uh, the sec title game is probably going to be some variation of Alabama and Florida um, Texas A&M just can't, I, I don't see Alabama losing twice. So I just don't see how Texas A&M gets in the sec title game, but I also don't see how uh, the committee, if they do get nine or 10 games in even eight or nine keeps Texas A&M out and and puts in, you know, a, a BYU or a Cincinnati if Clemson eats another loss, or if Notre Dame eats one or two, so right now Texas A&M is my five. Um, Clemson's my four. Um, don't feel any worse about them really than I did, um, especially without Trevor Lawrence. It's amazing watching that kid play that subbed in for him. I mean, he'd be he'd be the starter at almost any other Power Five program. He just happens to be behind, you know, one of the best college quarterbacks we've had in a decade. Uh, number three is Ohio State. Um, they're they're the cream of the crop in the big 10 right now, everybody's chasing them. it's, you know, we, you and I were high on Indiana, but I don't think we predicted that it would be pretty much Ohio state and Indiana and everybody else would be, would be, you know, a dumpster fire in some variation in the big 10, Notre Dame's two, uh, big win, probably the biggest win for that school, Really, in a long time. I mean, I can't think of a bigger win. Uh, had a lot of questions answered about Book, who, who played really well in that game. So they're my number two. And Alabama's my number one. Uh, they're, they're in the king's chair until somebody beats them.
3: Okay. Um, Justin, I'm curious to see where you're at and what, and what your reasonings are.
4: Well, I mean, I actually agree with Sean and, uh, since that's happening and I don't want that to happen, I'm going to put BYU as number five just because. Wow. (laughs) But the other four, I've got the exact same. Um, I I just like the way BYU said, hey, we'll play anybody and everybody. Don't matter where we got to go this year. We're just looking for a game. And uh, based on what they did with Boise State, um, why not? I I give BYU the nod over Cincinnati. I'm tending – and that's maybe because I've seen more BYU games. I'm a little bit more familiar with them. But – I'll put BYU there. And then I'm four through one. I'm Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Alabama. I'm the exact same.
3: Okay, I'm going to do you all one better. I've been championing them all year long. Coastal Carolina. Uh, my, my, My number five team right now will be Clemson because they do have a loss, although they will definitely be able to right that ship. So if they went out, I I preface this with saying they'll, they'll be in the playoffs. So Clemson fans don't kill me right now. I'm saying right now, today we'll see how Trevor Lawrence plays, uh, when he comes off of the COVID, you know, I don't think he had much symptoms, but I, I think back to what, what Freddie Freeman said after he came back from his COVID, and, of course, he had a bad uh, bout of it, and he said he didn't feel right for almost three weeks. So if you're out there playing college football and you're feeling off, that could be an issue. Uh, but I'm going to assume he's okay because we haven't heard any, any bad symptoms from him, and it's really hard to keep anything under under wraps nowadays. Someone will leak something. My number four team, the Brigham Young Cougars. They are undefeated. They are 8-0. and And they are demolishing every single team they play. And BYU, to me, gets the nod before Texas A&M because Texas A&M got boat raced. They got their nose mashed in by Alabama, and I don't need to see a replay of that, which is what you would end up seeing. You would see a Texas A&M versus Alabama replay. I don't need to see that. I want to see something different. Kill me if you want, but I don't really care i don't give a damn i watch these games and i you can play clem uh, excuse me um texas a&m alabama 10 times you know what you're going to get 10 times alabama winning by about four touchdowns so i don't need to see a&m in there again now if a bunch of teams lose i'm not saying they don't have the right to fight their way into it but i'm saying right now i can't put them in uh, my my top five let alone top four uh my number three is going to be Ohio State because they've only played, played three games compared to the rest, and the rest of the resumes look a lot better than the others. My number two is Alabama because Alabama has not knocked off a big boy yet. They, they will have ample opportunity because if they go in and beat the hell out of Florida in the SEC title game, I have to hand it to, to uh, Alabama. And that makes my number one team in the country right now the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Obviously, this is fluid every week, but I saw a team, and I've I've watched four Notre Dame games from top from start to finish. And what I've seen in Notre Dame is Ian Book. I don't, I don't want to call him a game manager because that's always a slap in the face. He is a field general. Is, is the best way I will put it. He doesn't seem to to get a. Nervous. He doesn't seem to make the big mistakes. And then along with that, I think it's very underrated how his moving parts, his, his, uh, we'll put his offensive line aside, which is actually pretty darn good, but the running backs and the receivers he have now, granted, I might want to see some urine tamps, urine samples here in the near future, but they're <laughs> monsters. They're absolute monsters. These are the same. They are of the chase Claypool ilk. Okay, everyone's like, man, where'd this guy come from? Well, he was drinking or eating or whatever the hell they're giving to him in South Bend. And, you know, Cole Komet. You know, they're all built like this. And then the guys on the defensive side of the ball, they've got a couple of guys that it would not shock me get drafted in the in, at least the first 15, maybe even in, in, in the top 10. So I think Notre Dame is very, very good top to bottom. People are going to take away, oh, they beat Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. But I'm telling you right now, Ugalele did not look like chopped liver. That dude damn sure wasn't James Blackman. I'll tell you that right now. That dude's out there slinging it. 400 yards. I don't know if Clemson wins that game with Trevor Lawrence. Because how much better can you play on the road than throw for 400 yards and four touchdowns? Now, Trevor Lawrence is the type that can say, hold my beer. He's also the type that has thrown interceptions in the past. So... That's yep. that's my top five. I, I know that it's going to get some eye rolls from people, but I've got uh, BYU five. Uh, what did I say? BYU five.
8: You said I, Clemson five, BYU four, I think.
3: I'm sorry. That's okay. That, that's where I drew a blank. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, Clemson five, BYU four, Ohio State three, Alabama two, Notre Dame one. I know no one would have it that way, but that's my reasonings for you know when watching these games every week. And I do think Alabama may be the best team in the country, but the only real big game that they've won, to, in my eyes, was the A and M game, and I'm still not convinced that A and M may not be a fraud because I'm just so used to them being a fraud. The Georgia game <laughs> does not impress me at all after watching them getting just tub thumped by Florida. I'm like, I don't know Georgia. You know that's all cute and everything that you beat Kentucky fourteen to three, but I don't know if you're as good as everyone thinks you are. You're not trash, but I don't know if geor I don't know if Georgia is a top ten football program this year or foot f- football team. I shouldn't say program football team this year because I really question their quarterback capabilities. And given that.
8: If everything holds, and obviously so many different variables at play, we could have a Final Four of of Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Alabama. There isn't a person in the world that's complaining about that as a Final Four. I'm just, I'm just. No, but I am sick there. and that tired of watching.
3: I don't want to see Alabama versus Clemson nineteen this year. You know, I don't either.
8: I don't either. I'd rather see Alabama. Can we and Notre make Dame? them play that's-
3: other teams? Look, if they get mm-hmm. to the championship game, fair enough but I don't want to see it automatic in the semis going, Oh God, with this again, really, we got to watch this again. Plus I, in other words, I would prefer the Clemson at least be ranked third and Alabama one so that there's right. no way that Alabama, so that in other words, if it was the, the matchups you're talking about, um, hell, maybe give me Alabama, Ohio state and make us watch a Clemson, Notre Dame three, right? yep. <laughs> just say, well, you got to win, get the hell out of our way. And away we go. Um, Justin, your thoughts?
4: Well, I had some until I thought about having to watch all those repeats again. And, uh, yes. yeah, we, we got to figure out how to uh, freshen that up. Um, Notre Dame in there doesn't bother me, even though those would be repeats, because I'm still waiting for Notre Dame to show me they can do it in the in the big game. I feel like we saw that against Clemson, but uh, that game really didn't matter uh, in the grand scheme of things when we're talking – the end of the year in the postseason. So, yeah, it gets you there, but uh, can you do it in that game? Um,
3: I will say this. If you did get those four teams, the advantage of putting Alabama Clemson and then you have Notre Dame versus Ohio State, I don't know what the championship game would look like, but I think you'd have two really good semifinals and you would have a diverse audience going for the national title game because I, a lot of times I feel like when it's Clemson, Notre, i mean, excuse me, Clemson, Alabama, it's just the southeast that's really cares about it. I mean, I know there's going to be diehard fans to watch all over, but how many times do they want to watch that in the, in the championship game? So maybe you do. Maybe you do make Alabama and Clemson play each other, get it out of the way, and then you get what Alabama versus I don't know Ohio State or Notre Dame. Who knows if that'll be a good game? But I think Notre Dame versus Ohio State would be a good game.
4: See, that's the game I would like to see. I would like to see Alabama Notre Dame. Uh, that, well, that's the matchup. That I think twelve. Yeah. Well, uh, tayo also. Got catfish that game, so I mean, no, we might maybe they maybe they have real girlfriends in in the linebacker core this year. So the American uh, public makes got a difference. Catfished. I promise you,
3: <laughs> the American public got catfish because I thought that was going to be a decent decent game. I didn't think Notre Dame was going to win, and next thing I know, it was like forty-one to nothing, and and like you, you know, my freaking hot pocket hadn't even gone off in the.
4: They didn't have the offensive line, quarterback player, or the running back that they have now. That's a legit no, offensive it, line. I mean, yeah, we were right. talking world of difference, and I don't actually like. I want to see. Uh, I'd like to see him smash that Alabama defensive line.
3: I would but. love to see a, glo- a very close, hard-hitting game in in Notre Dame versus uh, Alabama. But you fear that Alabama could get out. Now, without, with them being out without Waddle, maybe that lowers the – or brings them a little closer back to the pack as far as the, the big explosional plays. But, you know, they probably have six guys that are five-star receivers going, yeah, you think he's fast. Watch me. Um Every year just pull
4: another one out of the cupboard and like this guy's better.
3: Exactly. Every year they lose two to the draft, and every year three more come popping up. When this guy's like six foot eight, seven hundred and twenty-two pounds, and runs like the wind. So (laughs) you're guarding him. I'm gonna be over here. (laughs) I'm gonna play zone. (laughs) What are you gonna do back there playing zone? I'm gonna try to trip somebody's what I'm gonna try to do. I'm just Try to be slow. That's slide. why you play
4: on the offensive side of the ball because then you don't have to beat anybody. You just line up and slow them down.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Forget running with them. Well, if you're on the offensive line, you're going to get mauled by that Alabama defense. I don't, I don't think that's a better solution.
4: Yeah, you just got to learn to be a speed bump. It's the best way to attain to that attack.
3: Speed bump. You're, you're, you're going to be dust is a big difference between playing high school football and playing against those Alabama kids who are, I say kids. They haven't had a kid play at Alabama since since the pre-steroid era. Uh, the, <laughs> this, <laughs> these are full-grown full just monsters. It it reminds me of like when FSU was in their heyday in the nineties. and I would think to myself, man, there's poor bastards that have to play that FSU defensive line. Because every year we had some guy coming out in the top top ten of the draft. And like, man, can you just imagine having to? Can you imagine being in practice? Okay, think about the Alabama offensive line and the and the Alabama defensive front seven. I bet that's some of the best games that we never get to see, are the practices of the of the Crimson Tide every single year. Yeah. And, and 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 recently as well, I don't want to uh, overlook them. Clemson, um, I just don't like to give them as much love. <laughs> 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 Screw Clemson, <laughs> cheating sons of guns. I can't prove it, but they're cheating somehow. Uh, Justin, uh, I was I, I was going to let you walk off with uh, your uh, next guy up on the list, which is uh, Warren Spahn. Sir, what you got? All
4: right um well unlike bob feller um well they both had their careers let me rephrase that both had their careers interrupted by world war ii but unlike feller who was already famous when uh he went in spawn achieved his notoriety primarily after the war um he had a small call up and uh, had only had a brief appearance which was four games in 1942 before he started his career Most of his Hall of Fame career was with the Boston Milwaukee Braves. Warren Spahn won 363 games, ranking six overall, the most for a left-handed pitcher. A 17-time All-Star, Spahn's career included 13 seasons with 20 or more wins, three ERA titles, two no-hitters, notably at age 39 and 40, and a World Series championship and Cy Young aboard both won in 1957. As I alluded to yesterday, one of his career highlights also includes something we'll never, ever see again, and that was an epic 16-inning pitching duel on July 2nd, 1963, at age 42 against Juan Marco. That's, that's amazing. But Svon entered the Army on December 3rd, 1942, at Camp Shafi, Arkansas, which was a combination training facility and a POW camp. Following basic training, he was sent to Camp Gruber, Oklahoma, where he was assigned the 276th Engineer Combat Battalion. He continued to play baseball and helped pitch the battalions team to the post championship. On November 4th, 1944, Staff Sergeant Spawn and his unit, part of the 1159th Engineer Combat Group, boarded the Queen Mary for France. Of the men in the unit, Spawn later said, some have been let out of prison if they would commit to enlist. So these are the people I went overseas with and they were tough and rough and I had to learn to fit that mold. Spawn soon, Found himself in the middle of action in the brutal Battle of the uh, Hurtgen Forest and the Battle of the Bulge. Spahn recalled being surrounded and his men having to fight their way out. During one of the coldest winters on record, Spahn said, Our feet were frozen when we went to sleep and they were frozen when we woke up. We didn't have a bath or change of clothes for weeks. In March 1945, the 276 was at Ramigan, Germany working around the clock to repair the Ludendorff bridge suddenly everyone heard what they thought were rifle shots but it was rivets being sheared off from the trusses and beams the bridge weakened by demolitions and heavy troop and vehicle traffic and the vibrations from artillery artillery fire and construction equipment was collapsing a total of 28 men were killed or missing and 65 wounded 18 men were rescued from the river Spahn was among the wounded, getting hit in the left foot by a piece of bridge shrapnel. The 276th received the presidential unit citation for its actions, and Spahn was also awarded the Purple Heart. In addition, Spahn received a battlefield commission, which lengthened his service by another six months. Discharged in April of 1946, he returned to the Boston Braves in time to post an 8-5 and season. A lot of historians and fans have claimed that Spahn's four years in the Army cost him the chance of reaching 400 wins, but Spahn disagrees, and here are his comments on that. I matured a lot in those years. If I had not had that maturity, I would not have pitched until I was 45. Elaborating to that, he goes on to say, after what I went through overseas, I never thought of anything I was told to do in baseball as hard work. You get over feeling like that when you spend days on end sleeping in frozen tank tracks in enemy threatened territories. Warren Spahn retired in 1965, and in 1973 he was elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. That is Warren Spahn, gentlemen, and he had a sweet leg kick.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you probably he, learned that over there. <laughs> the uh, I, every time I think of Warren Spahn at you know, past his uh, bravery and whatnot. First of all, arguably one of the greatest pitchers of all time, but he was the old saying, if anyone's ever heard it, spawn insane and pray for rain. Uh, back then, the, uh, the Braves, but this before they were in uh, Atlanta, this was in the uh, Milwaukee days, they had two really elite pitchers, and then the rest of their pitching stuff was garbage. It was Warren Spawn. I, I want to say it's Johnny Sane, but I always forget his first name. But anyways, that's that's where the term comes: Spawn and Sane and pray for rain because you're hoping for a bunch of rain out so it can go can, can get back to them. Uh, back then, you usually had a three to four man pitching staff, so that's where that comes from. Um, great job, Justin. Uh, I know you got to run. What's your walk off, sir?
4: Uh, again, just want to say thank you to all our veterans past and present, uh, all you men and women that, uh, have had ultimate sacrifices for us and, uh, continue to do so every day. Thank you.
3: Yes, sir. Uh, we will see you tomorrow for, um, see tomorrow's Thursday.
4: We got open a day of the masters. We got Titans Colts. I got a hangover looming. It's on baby. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> There's my walk-off. <laughs>
3: And we got a hurricane heading our way down here. so uh, Yeah, that's there, called my hangover. <laughs> that's, uh, there's all kinds of excitement. I, I meant down here specifically, uh, Hurricane Ada is supposed to be uh, – n- no one has thought my, my joke was clever. I wanted to know the ETA on Ada, which is spelled ETA.
4: Yeah, in my world, I can't <laughs> see it as a name. I'm just like, okay, when are you coming? I exactly. mean
3: – And they have ETA. flat out run out of names. Hurricane S- – estimated time of arrival. <laughs> the next one is Hurricane T- TBD. <laughs> <laughs> Player to be named later. All right, brother. We'll see you manana. Look forward guys. to it. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Sean and I are going to continue uh, this this uh, this talk about the the veterans, and then we're also getting into some NFL. Uh, on the way, uh, we have got in the next hour... Greenberg, Ted Williams, we've got David Robinson, Christy Mathewson, and a whole hell of a lot more. Happy Veterans Day. We'll be back in a flash here on the Armchair Quarterbacks. Keep it locked in here to CBS Sports Radio.
1: Now, does anybody in here have a valid reason for leaving this classroom? Timothy.
4: I got to go pick up my daughter?
1: You're excused.
4: You get a whole lot of something with farmers' policy perks. So much, I'm going to have to speed things up. You can get the Farmer's Signal app and that could get you up to 15% off your auto policy. That's just for using the app and driving like the normal speed limited hearing full-stop making lane change signaling human being you are. Get a whole lot of something with Farmers Policy Perks. Start with a quote by calling one 800 Farmers.
3: We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. The Armchair Quarterback Show. Weekdays, Coast to Coast Southern Sports Talk Radio. Find us on Facebook live today. tap that armchair quarterback's app your first choice for sports talk live from the first coast
2: the
4: the mullet isn't just a hairdo it is definitely a lifestyle you're carrying on like a legacy like your last name you know the people that did this in the 80s They weren't doing it just because, oh, they thought it was a cool hairdo. No, they were doing it because they were badass. You know, if someone asks if you want extra mayonnaise, you have to say yes. This is bringing back, like, the
3: Paul Bunyan. Men, we don't shave our legs. We have chest hair. But, yeah, that's the whole lifestyle of of the mullet. Armchair. Big news and the big games covered in the Big Ten by the armchair quarterbacks all year long averaging just under
0: 38 on 44 kicks this year. Nice high kick, got a little wind under it. And it runs
7: Howard Begler, but a little... Look at that. Oh my goodness. One
8: man. Goodbye. Hello, Heisman. Well, the ball
7: is actually a little short of the one-yard line now. It is fourth down, the final play, unless they can stick it in the end zone. Andre Johnson, Roscoe Parrish, and Kellen Winslow. And Dorsey, under pressure, throws it!
0: The Buckeyes win! They went to Hickman,
4: and Penn State well-timed blitz. Lavar Arrington, the All-America candidate, came across. Well, it was a great athletic play by LeVar
3: Arrington. As you see, he times his blitz very well, leaves his feet, and hits Hickman in the backfield. Big Ten football, covered in the Southeast by the armchair quarterbacks. That...
6: That's the sound of NyQuil Severe, hard at work. NyQuil Severe is the best sleep with a cold medicine. No tossing and turning, just rest and recovery. So you're ready to take on tomorrow. For powerful relief of your worst cold and flu symptoms, try NyQuil Severe the nighttime sniffling, sneezing, coughing, aching, stuffy head best sleep with a cold medicine. Use as directed,
1: keep out of reach of children. You are so going to end up in porno. Yesterday, December 7th, 1941
0: A date which will live in infamy The United States
1: of America
0: Was suddenly and deliberately attacked By naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan No matter how long it may take us To overcome this premeditated invasion The American people in their righteous might will win
2: through to absolute victory from the halls of montezuma to the shores of tripoli we find our country's battles in the air on land and sea first to fight for right and freedom welcome and back to the old happy day we are proud to play the time
3: I'm always extra happy, Sean, when Veterans Day falls in the middle of the week like it does. I hate when it falls on a weekend because I feel like you get swept under the rug a little bit, especially when you're in the middle of football season. Unfortunately, you know, it's just human nature to do things that you're used to doing on the weekends, like watching your ball games and whatnot. And a day like today, veterans get, you know, it's perfect when it falls on a Tuesday or a Wednesday in the middle of the week because, or even a Friday, uh, because you don't have any kind of football to overshadow it and we can really focus on it. So it's, it's always, uh, I'm always happy to see when it falls on this. We, for, for people who don't listen to us much, we do this every uh, Veterans Day It's one of one of Justin and I's favorite deals. Believe it or not, we did one. Veterans Day fell on a Monday. We were doing live television, excuse me, live uh, radio shows at this uh, pizza joint up in uh, Jacksonville, and we did a three hour show one time, Sean, uh, on Veterans Day that was really cool. We had uh, veterans sitting in the in the uh, in the restaurant, and we did three hours of of these. Uh, biographies we pretty much that's that's all we did we we i would say of the three hours that we did maybe a half hour maybe at the most 45 minutes was talking sports we did an an unbelievable uh, amount of of these biographies we don't normally do it that way but it was a special circumstance and i knew who would be in the crowd and they came up it was one of the coolest things that uh, i've been a part of because uh they came up and they uh thanked me and that to me was really cool you know after the show i, I was always setting up the the radio stuff and, and breaking it down pre-show and pre-show I, they, they didn't, I didn't get much because they didn't know what they were sitting in there for they're just in there having pizza and next thing they know uh there were people gathered around that were drinking beer and and uh toasting the people not they weren't toasting us they were to, they were toasting them the uh, people that we mentioned and uh, that's a good lead-in to uh mr hank greenberg sean uh i know you said you wanted to start off with him so uh, i will step out of your way and uh what you got on mr uh, hank greenberg
8: all right well kids gather around uh this isn't a name you hear a lot but it's one i think you probably should uh it means a lot to me personally i'll i'll mention why Towards the end, Uh, Hank Greenberg played uh, 12 of his of his 13 Major League seasons for the Detroit Tigers, who are, you know, my favorite team, having grown up in Michigan. Uh, He was an American League All-Star four times. Um, He was also a two-time American League MVP as a first baseman in 1935 and as a left fielder in 1940. Uh, He had a batting average over 308 seasons, won two World Series with the Tigers in 1935-1945. And hit a whopping 58 home runs in 1938, which, it, you know, it, there's not a lot you can find on video from that time, but you can read about it. 58 home runs in 1938 is like 120 now. It, it was nuts. I mean, the ball was the ball was completely made differently back then. There weren't lights in most outdoor stadiums. There's a very famous Hank Greenberg axiom in the 1935 World Series because uh, St. Louis's Sportsman Park didn't have lights and the, and game three went into the bottom of the ninth and it was getting dark. And Hank Greenberg hit what was a walk off grand slam. And the umpire said, Hank, I can't call the game. I didn't see where the ball went. Hank turned around and said, well, I saw it just fine. This game's over, (laughs) which is one of my favorite little, (laughs) which is one of my favorite little Hank Greenberg anecdotes. Um, I'll get to the military service and then I'll I'll round back around to just some career numbers on him because his career numbers are nuts. And, and honestly, he should be someone that's just more highly regarded. He's, he was, you know, kind of unfortunately and unfairly um, not only lost four years of his prime to military service, but also was sandwiched directly between you know kind of babe ruth and ted williams and and was really forgotten about as kind of like the larry holmes of baseball um because he just came between you know two monoliths in baseball history um, but in october of 1940 uh, greenberg was the first american league player to register for the nation's peacetime draft and in 1941 the detroit draft board, draft board originally classified him as 4f which is for flat feet meaning he wouldn't be eligible for military service. He appealed. Um, There was a a lot of public sentiment um, in the early 1940s as a war was brewing overseas uh, that a lot of athletes might try to get out of service, which famously Jack Dempsey did during World War I and took a lot of public criticism for it after the fact. Most baseball players didn't feel that way and wanted to serve their country. And Hank was no exception. Um, on May 7th, 1941, he was inducted into the U.S. Army after playing 19 games in left field. He reported to Fort Custer in Battle Creek, Michigan, which is about 20 minutes from my hometown of Mount Morris. Um, he made a comment that I made up my mind to go when I was called. My country comes first. Um, a lot of players were bitter about the, the lower amount of pay that they were given compared to their Major League Baseball salary. That was a big uh, you know, talking point in newspapers at the time, and Hank was a a model citizen. Um, He was an anti-tank gunner, he was promoted to sergeant, and was honorably discharged from active service on December 5th, uh, which was two days before Japan actually bombed Pearl Harbor. So he re-enlisted as a sergeant on February 1st, 1942, volunteered for service in the Army Air Forces, and served until late 1944. He served a total of 47 months, the longest of any major league baseball player by far in the prime of his career. Um, He played 19 games in the 1941 season, lost all of 42, 43, and 44, and didn't return to play baseball again until June 14th of 1945. Uh, That is Henry Greenberg's service to the US military. Uh, Two-time MVP, uh, 10-time All-Star, just an amazing battery of statistical references. Um, his career WAR is fifty-four point two, which is is by nineteen thirty-eight, nineteen forty standards, really only trails like Babe Ruth, Ted Williams, you know, Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, right? He's he's basically the sixth greatest hitter. Um, he's even higher than Jimmy Fox in lifetime WAR. You know, and it's his, funny
3: because he's so underrated as a as a player. S- I mean, so underrated, you never hear it talk about. But like you said, nineteen was it nineteen? Well, what was the year that he hit uh, 58 home runs? 1930
8: was it 30? the 58 home runs was the 1938 season where <laughs> he actually finished third. Okay. Yeah, 38, uh, um, 58, 58 home runs, 119 runs batted in, um, just, which is just nuts. Uh, Batted 315, 438 on base, 683 slugging, 1122 ops. His ops, I'm going to read off his ops, which is a, a modern, you know, analytical measurement that people use. This is, these are his OPSs from 1934 to 1940. Okay. A thousand five, a thousand five, 1039, 1085, 1105, 1122, 1042, 1103. His 1940 season, which is his second MVP. He was 340, 41 home runs, 150 runs batted in 50 doubles, eight triples, six stolen bases, 93 walks. I mean, he is, he is such an underrated player. Um, he, even by Tigers fans, he's he's considered probably the second greatest Tiger of all time behind Al Kaline, and the statistics don't back that up. He's a far superior player to Al Kaline. Kaline just happened to be with the Tigers during the Tigers' greatest period of sustained success, which was the 60s and 70s, where they, they lost the American League pennant so many times to great Yankees teams, it's, it's almost laughable. Um, but he's, by most statistical measurements, the greatest Tiger to ever play. Um, and even amongst Tigers fans, he's basically second. It's basically Al Kaline, Hank Greenberg, and then Alan Trammell. Um, anybody who was alive from 1930 to 1950, of which there's not, you know, not a ton of people left, unfortunately. A lot of people like my father passed on. My father always said Hank Greenberg was the best hitter he ever saw. Said, said he was just an amazing masher. Um, and that is uh, the guy who loved his nickname. Um, it, it wouldn't be PC to call him this today, but he was known as the Hebrew Hammer, and he was an amazing baseball player and, like I said, just unfortunately kind of lost to history and lost to time because he's right between Babe Ruth, played the same time as Ted Williams, and then DiMaggio and Mantle come along. Just an amazing player, an amazing patriot, served his country dutifully. Um, you you just take his averages over his career and slot it into those three seasons that are completely lost and even add the 41 season where he only played 20 games. I mean, he's easily – one of the ten best statistical players of all time, and as is, he's one of the thirty best statistical players of all time. So that is Hank Greenberg. Thank you for your service to our country, um, and thank you for being a Detroit Tiger. Still love it.
3: Yeah, I don't think he gets enough love. Uh, there's a couple that I won't go over their entire thing, but I'll, I'll mention them at the end of the uh, end of the show because you know if we just don't have a long enough show to uh, do all these athletes, but there are a lot of people. Do do yourself a favor, America. Do a deep dive later on today. And there are a bunch of articles that have been written. uh, Hell, I've even – I don't know how you would find mine because mine was about seven years ago. but uh, That that have been written uh, about this very topic, how many athletes gave all. And some of them gave up their entire – not just their life. Some of them also gave up uh, the prime years of – of of their career. I know life is much more important, but I'm saying from a, from a perspective of a sports, you know, history, there's no telling what some of these guys would have been. Rocky Blyer is a great example. Uh, he, he got shrapnel in the leg and then continued off into a pretty darn good NFL career. But what would he have been if he hadn't been running around with shrapnel in his leg, his entire career? So, uh, yeah, that's, I don't think these, I don't think it's ever stated enough how important these guys are uh to the american landscape because i think your average person thinks that a lot of these quote-unquote Athletes that served during wartime were like Elvis Presley. They're over there just singing songs and dancing around and making movies and whatnot. And there were some that that, that got that, but a lot of them were right in the teeth of the fight. And right, that's yeah, that's what's always jumped out at me uh, is when I first started researching this years ago. I was like, man, I cannot believe that some of these guys gave what they gave. Uh, you know, it this got sparked by. Justin and I talking about uh, Pat Tillman one day. This is mm-hmm. prior to uh, Veterans Day of our first season back with the armchair quarterbacks in 2014. We, we talked about it on end for, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes that day. And this was like a week or so before uh, Veterans Day. And Justin and I call each other off air and basically say, why don't we do that for as many guys as we can find? And then you start opening the lid and you're like, man, I did not know there was this many guys. I'm going to do one of the basic ones because I think this has to always be uh, appreciated, especially considering not only is this being considered – Possibly the greatest hitter of all time. He's also considered possibly one of the greatest pilots of all time. In Mister Ted Williams played nineteen year career as a left fielder for the Boston Red Sox from thirty nine to sixty nineteen thirty nine to nineteen sixty. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, it, the only thing that interrupted him was something called World War II and the Korean War. He served in both. January forty two after World War II began. Williams was drafted in the military, being put into Class 1A. Williams joined the Naval Reserve on May 22nd, went on to active duty in '43, and was commissioned second lieutenant in the U.S. Marine Corps as a naval aviator on May 2nd, 1944. Williams also was on the baseball team in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, along with other Red Sox teammates like Johnny Pesky, remember the Pesky poll uh, in pre-flight training after eight weeks in Amherst, uh, Massachusetts, the, the, uh, and the civilian pilot training course while on the baseball team. So he was doing all this at once. I don't know why he was playing baseball and trying to learn how to fly. Like, like he was going to forget how to play baseball, but that's Ted Williams for you. Um, Williams was sent back to Fenway in 43 to play in an all-star game managed by Babe Ruth. And Williams, who people still talk about how, and I've heard this on many occasions, that he was possibly one of the greatest pilots of all time. And it all comes down to his eyesight, right? And that's his eyesight and reaction. And, of course, that's what made him a great hitter. Here was a, but this is this is a typical humbling quote by Ted Williams. He would always tell you how, how badass he was on a baseball field, but he was always very humble in his service. "Quote: I was no hero. There were maybe seventy five pilots in our two squadrons, and ninety nine percent of them did a hell of a lot better job than I ever did. But the <laughs> but the numbers always came back as that's not true, Ted. Like you you, you were elite. Um, I won't rattle off all his." combat uh statistics but they are eye-popping uh he did he he threw excuse me he flew 39 missions and won a boat ton of medals some of those medals including including three air medals for flight operations navy union accommodation the presidential medal of freedom american and asian pacific campaign medal World War II Victory Medal, National Defense Service Medal, and, oh, by the way, he's the last guy to hit 400 in Major League Baseball. Other than that, Ted Williams was kind of a disappointment of what he could have done with all his potential, right? I mean, this guy, and it's funny, and I can just imagine him in a cockpit, just a very determined guy, but remember his famous line that everyone always talks about, is uh, they said what motivated you in the world of baseball and he said I wanted people to point at me walking down the street and goes there's the best damn hitter that's ever lived I would challenge people to find someone better because uh, Ted Williams to me is probably the greatest overall hitter when you talk about the power and the average the greatest hitter of all time he was the original shift. They shifted a little bit with Babe Ruth, but not a whole lot. It was unthought of in that day. The original shift was called the Williams Shift. And so there you go. There, there's a Ted Williams for you. Um, incredible human being, incredible American, and arguably the best, if not the top two or three hitters of all time. And uh, there you go, and then somehow they try to freeze him, and we're gonna bring them back. That, that's how good you you know you're a badass when when they decide they're <laughs> gonna try to freeze you because they gotta they gotta replicate your DNA. <laughs> I don't think we're we're in uh, any danger of that. <laughs> them go, Oh, we got we, we gotta make sure these guys are around, you know, you know you gotta duplicate old O'Toole McGee you don't don't wanna lose these guys. Williams're like, oh man, we gotta, gotta keep his head. If anyone that forgets that that well, you know what, let's just forget. It's
8: fun. It's it's funny that if the kids today, with all their Google machines, you know, in the pocket of their hands, go look for videos of Ted Williams. Probably the first the first actual search or the first ten searches is going to be him in the golf cart at Fenway Park that year, coming out with his with his just. You know, not not to sully his name, but his son was a was a real piece of work. You know, trying to just hand out T shirts for his company that he was trying to use his dad's name to, to right. tailgate off of. Um, but and I, I think, but I'll always remember also,
3: that that night because that was one of the coolest moments in sports. Because yep. all those all those Major League Baseball players who are obviously all stars, but a lot of them turned out to be Hall of Fame players. Yeah, them being in awe and emotional getting to meet him. And I remember some of the interviews afterwards, some of them did talk about this when I first learned about it. Essentially, I'd heard a little bit about, but this, uh, they talked about essentially what he had done for his country. And I was like, what Ted Williams was in the war too. And I was like, Whoa, Ted Williams wasn't just in the war. He was in the wars uh, and and kicked (laughs) ass in both wars. uh. Uh, yeah, it's, I'll I'll never forget Mark McGuire leaning over to hug him and being mm-hmm. all emotional and of course Nomar was there and you know all of them I I don't want to leave anyone out so I'll, I'll I'll end the list at that but they were but they were all there back in '99 I I've gone back and watched you know during the pandemic shutdown I went back and watched the '99 uh All Star game it was a great All Star game first of all but then that that being added to it was just incredible.
8: That was the first time that was the first time the home run derby became appointment television. And they, and I mean, it was that whole weekend at Fenway was a big deal. Mark McGuire at that point was, and and we're not going to have the McGuire discussion and and do the revisionist history on that. But at that point in time, Mark McGuire was the most popular player in baseball in decades. I would say, I mean, everybody was, was gobbling up Mark McGuire stuff. The Cardinals were on national TV all the time. Um, That was a real moment. And for him to have been just awestruck by the sight of Ted Williams, much less meeting him, uh, tells you a lot about how much he was revered by baseball players in the game. He was easily one of the most revered players of all time. And, yeah, like you said, 70 years after he retired, you know, still nobody's had, you know, nobody's had that kind of talent um, with their eyesight and hand-eye coordination as him. He's still regarded as probably the greatest hitter to ever live even 70 years later after most of the people that covered him have long since passed on that tells you a lot about how great he truly was
3: yeah uh that's that's also the infamous uh pedro martinez game where he struck out the side and whiffs the first five of six nl batters mm-hmm. and ends up being the mvp of the uh of the all-star game that that was one of the greatest ones um i always forget the names i'm not i'm, I'm not going to go back and Sitem, but that's always put up against a similar All Star game in the uh, very beginning of the All Stars, where a list of who's who. Uh, there was a, uh, in other words, what Pedro Martinez did in '99 hadn't been done in about sixty years. That's the short yeah. of it. Um, we need to take a quick break. Because when we come back, we're going to talk the NFL. We're also going to do Betting 101. Sean, Sean had a good idea for uh, our show, and uh, I, th- I think we're going to start this up. Uh, for people who are, are getting new to betting, don't understand terms, don't understand a lot of philosophies, we're going to do that. And we're going to do our Power Five along with a couple of more names from the past that have served our country. We'll be back in a flash when the armchair quarterbacks continue. The Medicare annual election period deadline is almost here. I'm Meredith
6: Vieira, here with examples of people who started their search for coverage at MyHealthPolicy.com.
1: Meet Larry. He likes doing things online, so he started at MyHealthPolicy.com. I took my time and found the coverage I was looking for. And done. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone.
6: I wanted a local perspective on plans, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com and done. Switched to a better plan.
0: And Michael.
7: I met with a local licensed insurance agent face-to-face and done.
6: It's important to remember the value of taking time for ourselves to do the things that help us grow and explore, like learning something new. And now with The Great Courses Plus, it's never been easier to experience the joys of learning. The Great Courses Plus offers thousands of streaming videos that cover hundreds of fascinating topics, from World War II to choosing the perfect wine. You can even take a course on the US government or dealing with stress and anxiety. And because The Great Courses Plus partners with world-class professors and experts, you're always receiving thoroughly vetted, high-quality content from every lecture. Plus, you can watch or listen anytime, anywhere with The Great Courses Plus app. So take a little time for you. Sign up for The Great Courses Plus today for a free month of unlimited access. Visit thegreatcoursesplus.com slash radio to get started. That's the... Greatcoursesplus.com slash radio.
1: We are the Armchair Quarterback
8: Show, your first choice for sports talk live from the first coast.
6: Amazon Prime members now get free grocery delivery with a minimum order. You'll get your groceries with two hour delivery. So in that time, you can finally figure out where the biblioteca is, learn how to play the acoustic guitar, and I guess get a puka shell necklace. Do a makeup tutorial, but realize halfway, contouring is hard, and you're beautiful just as you are. Whatever it is you're doing with your time, your shopper will be carefully picking out your favorite organic meats, produce, dairy, and snacks, while providing contactless delivery to your door. Free two-hour grocery delivery, now with Prime.
2: It was a young man named Prime fought for his country and never made it home. But for every dream that shattered another one comes true. This car was once a dream of his back when it was
3: new. Welcome back here to the, the Armchair Quarterbacks. Happy Veterans My Day. Own. Make sure to thank that a veteran. Proud to be uh, even if you're sheltered in place or how whatever term you want to use nowadays you know reach out to them on on a social media give them a call give them a text something uh it's a it's an important day for all veterans and then of course uh the ones that have fallen and never gotten back it's it's really important to those loved ones so if you know anyone who has gone through that make sure to reach out to them because obviously this day rings true to them uh sean Switching gears a little bit, we're, we're going to start with the with our, our Power 5, and then we're going to do something we call Betting 101. And I'll come up with a better name for it maybe down the road, maybe even an a intro song or something. But I, hell, I, I didn't really think – nothing jumped out at me, so we're just going to do – call it Betting 101. If we come up with a better name, fair enough. But what we're going to do is we're going to try to go over some basic questions every week, throw a couple questions – and, uh, I'll try to do my best to, uh, to answer them, uh, as I know, but before we do that, let's go ahead and get into our, uh, power five in the NFL. There's a lot of debate could be up for this one. I mean, this, I mean, this, was, this one's a little deeper than it has been. I think the first few weeks it was a foregone conclusion. And now you're like, well, I don't know, man. Christ almighty, the Steelers almost lost to the Cowboys. What am I doing having them on my list? And, you know, <laughs> Chiefs almost blowed at the Panthers. What the hell's going on there? And I thought Buffalo was a was a, was a a sham, but they, they got up off the mat and took care of Seattle. And can Seattle ever tackle again? And what was I doing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers up so high? So there's a lot of things that you could throw out there, and I'm interested to see where you're going with your power five because I, I would be shocked if ours is the same, but we'll see how it goes. What you got, sir? Starting at number five and then you know, kind of explain and then go all the way up to number one. Okay.
8: Uh, from five to one, uh, my number five is the New Orleans Saints. Um, I had written this team off and left them for dead. Uh, I, I, like pretty much the rest of the country, was pitifully wrong about how that Sunday night game was going to play out. Uh, I still don't think Drew Brees' arm is is built to hold up in the long term. I think there are scheme-based things that people are going to start doing, especially packing the middle of the field and forcing him to throw those hot out routes um, to people. And I just don't know that his arm is going to be able to handle that. Actually, the metrics on his air yards are not bad. (laughs) He's he's like in the top 12 in average yards uh, in the air per attempt. But I know what my eyes tell me. My eyes tell me that that, that arm is about three, it's about one shot to the shoulder from being, you know, 2016 Pate Manning arm. And uh, we all saw that firsthand. But the defense is getting better. Uh, Cameron Jordan was, I mean, up in Brady's grill all week. They've gotten some guys back um, on the defensive line, some depth guys, so that their first string dudes aren't just blowed up in the third quarter. So they're maybe on the rise. Now, we'll see, you know, in the next couple of weeks what happens. They've got some interesting games coming up. My number four is the Buffalo Bills. Um, again, they're a little bit underwhelming there in weeks like five, six, seven. Um, but the last two weeks – I mean, they've really shown a penchant for having a game plan. Um, The Patriots game, you know, you can say they eked it out, but they they knew what the Patriots' weaknesses were. They just ran it down their throat. This past week, I was so impressed with that game plan. They were like, hey, Seattle, you can't cover anything. You can't cover a piece of Swiss cheese. Cool. We're going to throw on 24 of our first 28 that's, that's what every team has
3: done. And that's why I keep yeah, trying to tell exactly. people when, when they try to stream a running back against the, against the Seahawks, it's like, yeah, there's the Seahawks' rush defense isn't that great, but the stats but you, look great because no one runs on them because you, you could just freaking – it's like a freaking flag football game in your backyard where you're an all-time <laughs> really quarterback is. and there's no rush, right? The guy just stands back there. Remember those games? Remember you play the pickup games as a kid, and sometimes you had enough where there would be like a five Mississippi or three Mississippi rush, and sometimes you just have to go. Well, you're all time quarterback, and we don't have any anyone to rush you. Okay, fine. And somehow there'd still be someone throwing doing a bonehead play. They would never let me do it because I would just literally stand back there forever and wait for someone to get open, <laughs> and it's gonna happen. You can't chase someone all around your backyard without someone tripping over a stick or something. So you know, I bet you <laughs> someone's gonna get out. like screw McGee. McGee's gonna get out of here. Gonna get, get out here and uh, play offense or defense. We're not gonna have him stand back there. Let's grab this other kid who panics at the the first sight of anyone being open. He shh, hammers it in there. <laughs> but yeah, I, get, I mean you. I get what you're saying, but I think you're going to see more of this from a lot of teams. They just they have no secondary, which is strange because none. I thought getting Adams would would cure some of that. It has not. They have no, because
8: no s- he's not. He's he's basically a linebacker. He's well. The it, anti- what well, good what good also hurts is that they have no pass rush.
3: So. None. Th- <laughs> And they're always intertwined. I I always say nowadays you can live without a linebacking core, but you have to have a pass rush and you have to have a secondary. And they kind of live off each other. If you if you're going to be what weak in one area, I say linebackers nowadays because the running game isn't what it used to be. But man, you've got to have they just. Anyways, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't
8: mean to cut you off. No, you're good. the The Bills, the Bills last um, seven games. No, I'll just lay it out like that because they're seven and two. They've got to buy after this coming week. At Arizona, which is suddenly just a super-duper primetime game in the middle of the afternoon on Sunday. Bills at Cardinals. Oh, the Chargers why is that at- not
3: Sunday night football flex? Why do we have to watch Ravens versus freaking Cam Newton?
8: Don't ask me. I don't, I don't make the decisions. But at Arizona, host the Chargers at the Niners. Host the Bills on December the 13th. Or not the Bills, the Steelers host the Steelers on December the 13th. That could be, that could be for home field. You never know. Um, and that the last game of the season is against the dolphins who, you know, we, we're not going to talk about them right now, but I'm sure we'll talk about them again on They're Sunday. They're not out of the um, race
3: for the division, by the no,
8: way. No, not by any means. Are they out of the race? But Buffalo is my number four. Um, number three is the Baltimore Ravens, uh, convincing win against, you know, my son's favorite team. Uh, that was not an easy game to watch. Uh, I still think they're kind of smoke and mirrors. I I still think teams now have a plan to prevent the running game from beating them. Um, And Lamar's still got to prove to me that he can win a traditional, you know, shootout with something other than his legs. He's got to win it with his brain and his arm. But right now that defense is firing on all cylinders. Uh, They're getting a lot of turnovers. You know, you never know when turnover luck's going to regress to the mean, but they're they're Every game of them I've watched, when people are fighting for extra yards, somebody always comes into that pile and rips the ball out. And they're obviously coached up to do it. They're very, very good at it. And turnovers really can give your offense an advantage. So Baltimore is my number three. Pittsburgh's my number two. Um, still, Still a little just highly dubious of this offense and how long Ben's going to hold up. And we saw what they were like last year without Ben. Listen, UT fans here in Tennessee, I know you love you some Josh Dobbs. But uh, he ain't even the number two. He's the number three. Like, the number two is still Mason Rudolph. Uh, We saw that offense with Mason Rudolph last year. So, if they lose Ben for any considerable period of time, we don't know if he's going to play this week because he's on the C-19 reserve list. He may not. looks like he Um, will. Uh, Looks like he probably will. It looks like a Stafford situation.
3: Right now, he's been coming up uh, negative and uh, assuming that stays. But it it did make every – Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback owner, uh, pucker up a little bit in fantasy football. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. What do I have behind him? Oh, what the hell have I... (laughs) I'm Cam Newton's my backup. What have I been doing? I fell asleep at the wheel.
8: (laughs) Pittsburgh's Pittsburgh's my number two for that reason. I still think the defense is legit. Um, I'm really discouraged by what I saw against the Cowboys team that is just really, really bad uh, this past week. But we'll see. You know, It could have just been one off week. Uh, looking ahead, you never know. Uh, number one's the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, they've got the one blemish on their record against a Raiders team that I think is a lot better than people are giving them credit for, who played a perfect game. Um, the Panthers were more than up to the challenge, and the Panthers are a sneaky, frisky team. We're not talking about the Buccaneers right now because they're not in my top five. But they could easily lose to the Panthers this week. The Panthers have no bad losses by more than 10 points on their schedule. All their losses are under 10 points. They've been in every game. If, um, so Kansas,
3: If CMC plays. because If CMC plays. You're you're a big if. I don't give them much of a chance of beating Tampa with Mike Davis and company.
8: Nah, uh, nah I don't either. But Kansas City is my number one. They're, until somebody knocks them off, they're the defending champions. They're 8-1. Um, I don't know how you, beat, how you beat that offense. You have to play a perfect game. You have to not turn the ball over. The Raiders were able to do that in Arrowhead, but nobody else has been able to do it. Um, so they're my number one.
3: Okay, so I'm going to start off with my number five, and I will put a 5A there because I think it'll all get figured out here in a couple of weeks when they play each other. But as of right now, I'm going to put – the Baltimore Ravens and Tennessee Titans right there, neck and neck. Uh, Tennessee has shown that they can win games against teams like Buffalo, but then they also turn around and lose games against Cincinnati. So I don't know what the hell's going on there. They're spotting dimes they're, they're eating onions. Uh, you, you know, it's just so I have a hard time putting them in my top five until if they beat the Colts tomorrow night, they then play the ravens and then they then mm-hmm. they play the colts again that's a big three game series or three week yep. series excuse me or series of three games in in, in a couple weeks if tennessee comes out of that two and one no matter which games they win then i'd mm-hmm. be more inclined to put them as solidly in my top 5 but until then they've got to beat the colts and honestly, the more important thing would be for them to sweep the Colts and say, "Who gives a damn about the Ravens? Let's rest everybody. <laughs> we can put yeah. we can put this away because the the Colts the same week that Tennessee plays Baltimore, I th- I'm pretty sure that uh, the Colts play the Packers, so yep. it could be even Steven on that. going, hey, you lose, we lose. Okay, we'll see you next Sunday. Uh, so, and the, and the last thing that can that the Colts can endure is losing more than one game over the next few weeks, which is tough because you're going to play at Tennessee. I think it might be at home, but you're playing the Packers and then at home against Tennessee. The
8: Packers game is a home game. Yeah, Packers and that the Packers yeah. game and the second Titans game are back-to-back home it's games. It's
3: going to be tough to win two of those three, but, you, but you're you going to have to because losing last weekend to Baltimore kind of puts you behind that eight ball. So there Way have, behind. Yeah, so there you have that. Now, obviously, if they go out in there and they sweep the Titans, then they would be... You know, probably at worst tied with them record-wise, and they'd have the the uh, the uh, head-to-head. But usually, how these things work out with the divisional games is one wins one, and one wins the other. And it's not always that you win them, especially this year. It, home field advantage is nothing. So, um, my number four team is the New Orleans Saints. Uh, I've always had them on the out. Our liar. I've, I I still look fantasy wise. No, I don't want Drew Brees, but winning a Super Bowl, I think he could still pull it off. I don't think you know. What's the famous line people like to use? Uh, we'll insert Drew Brees. Uh, the 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 reports of Drew Brees' demise have been greatly exaggerated. Have yeah, uh, been
8: greatly exaggerated. Yeah.
3: He he can still play football in the national football league as a top 10, top 15 quarterback. See who he was five years ago. No, but hell none of us are. Um, literally none of us. Yeah. Uh, if, if I were, I wouldn't have a stack of pills like this freaking high every morning to have to take to just to function. So, um, I think drew Brees and the combination don't sleep on that combination of having to game plan every single week of, all right, and then they bring Taysen Hill in five snaps a game. What the hell do we do with that? And they bring it in the most opportune time because they do it at the t- at the point where you are. They they never bring him in at first and ten on the twenty on their own twenty. It's always yep. right. They they've they've crossed midfield. It's a big play, and you got to deal with him. And I'll tell you what. Don't sleep on the fact that if they need. Yes. They can always put Jameis Winston in there if something were to happen to Breeze, so they're really set at quarterback. And I would hate to have to game plan against a Jameis-Tayson-Hill situation. That would be a nightmare. Can you imagine? Um, So And and now that they actually have Michael Thomas back, they go into my top five. I've been leaving them out because Michael Thomas is... Between him and Alvin Kamara... Sean one could ant, could argue that they are they have the best running back and the best wide receiver in football when healthy mm-hmm. So they got to go in my in my top five number three I'm gonna take the Kansas City Chiefs um they're showing chinks in their armor. they do have a loss so that kind of leads into why I have the Steelers number one. Steelers are undefeated. They're going to stay in my number one as long as they stay undefeated. It would be unfair not to. You find a way to win in the NFL, and that defense come January, and that running game come January. And, oh, by the way, the six-headed monster that is their (laughs) receiving core, and I'm throwing Eric (laughs) Ebron in there, that's a lot to game plan against. So my number two. I know I jumped from three to one because my number two has not been mentioned it yet. I've got to put an NFC team in there because if I'm doing this legitimately, what are we saying? The two teams that are most likely to meet in the Super Bowl as of today, I've got to put the Green Bay Packers in there. You know, I I am I have some questions about their defense, but their offense is as good as it gets. Aaron Rodgers, once again, we can use the same, you know, he his demise has been greatly exaggerated. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is back to being Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams is just not even human. And then they should get Lazard back either this week or next week. Gives them depth. You know, he's not the obviously the key component there is Adams. But then that running back situation, you've got Aaron Jones, you've got Jamal Williams who did a fine job in his absence. And and I don't think A.J. Dillon's anything to, to sneeze on. Fantasy football is a nightmare, but uh you know, real real time football, you you gotta love that. By the way, I do not know I'll get your take on this. I pulled off a trade in a dynasty league that this is the one I always complain about that we have eighteen man roster. I think it's a twelve man league. It might be ten, but I'm pretty sure it's a twelve man league. So you can imagine how deep that is. And you have to keep all but two every year. Okay, so this is a true dynasty league, right? This is the trade that I pulled off straight up. We've been going back and forth, back and forth to find. Said, you know what, screw it, I'm going to take it. I Realized I lost Dak Prescott at the beginning of the year. Aaron Jones for Lamar Jackson, and I took Lamar Jackson. Do you like that trade? It's it's a pretty standard league. I think it might be half point PPR, but I don't I know it's not a full point PPR. It actually might be standard. Um, do you like that trade? Would you trade Aaron yeah. Jones for Lamar Jackson?
8: In a dynasty league I would, yes. In in a league that's just this season, I wouldn't. Um, Green Bay has a long history of not paying running backs. And Jones wants a contract He's going to want a contract after this year. I think he's going into his 3rd or his 4th season. So he's going to want fourth. some kind of an ex- yeah. yeah, he's going to want some kind of an extension and Green Bay just has no history of paying running backs. They've never paid running backs because they've always been able to find them. Well, I'm all about winning the
3: championship one. this year because my team, I inherited <laughs> a dumpster fire 4 seasons ago. I now have the best record in the league. Now, preface this was saying this guy adds something to the league every year. It drives me nuts. He listens to the show, and I don't give a damn if you, if you get mad. But, I mean, this year I don't. out of nowhere without telling anyone he, he added an extra flex. So, you have to deal with that. So, you got two running backs, two receivers, two flexes now. But, I do have, when healthy, Alvin Kamara and Chris Carson, to put at my running back. So I've got a lot of options that I can go with receiver. I've got Michael Thomas at receiver. I have pretty much built this. When when I took this over, it did not look like this. But now I have, as opposed to running out either Baker Mayfield or uh, Justin Herbert, which Mm -hmm. via the matchup, I could start Herbert every week. I now have, assuming the trade goes through, I don't know why it wouldn't, I now have Lamar Jackson. Mm. And I think as it gotcha. gets colder, as we get in, this was my theory, as it gets colder, Lamar Jackson is going to be more prevalent in a league where we don't have the bonus structure like we do in our leagues with the, right. with the passing. So, so quarterbacks that can run and get rushing touchdowns, to me, is a little more valuable. But, you know, I could have been taken. I don't know. I feel like it was a really good... I think for me to try to win a championship, I think it's the best route I could do because I could have maybe I could have won it with Justin Herbert at quarterback and Aaron Jones on my on my flex along with, mm-hmm. you obviously, the other two that I mentioned. But I feel like okay, I lose Jones on my flex, but I could put McLaurin in there. Uh, you know, right. there's there's anyways. I just want to get your take on it. We don't. We don't have to do a deep dive on my one of my twenty eight fantasy football teams, but uh, <laughs> I just want to get you. Okay, so I'll, I'll I'll get some kind of sound bite in the near future. But um, betting one oh one, I know a lot of our stuff has always been called skin in the game, but we'll just call it betting one oh one. So th- so throw me a good question this week, and we'll build on this every week. But throw me one that you think the new betting public, especially with gambling now being in Tennessee for the first time legally just uh, less than uh, two weeks ago. Um, Throw me one at – excuse me. Throw one at me that you think is a, you know, what do I do or what does it mean or I don't care where we go. In in the future, send them to me before the show so I don't get caught flat-footed, but hopefully you don't ask me something like, you know. So if you're playing craps and (laughs) –
8: what you got? Okay, so my first question, and and this is just for to, to give everybody an insight. Um, I'm very much a novice to, to sports gambling. It just launched in Tennessee two weeks ago. I've been dipping my toe in the pool. By dipping my toe in the pool, are, I mean like... You know, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, I, I think most folks are. I think people have heard of a point spread, right? People have heard of... You know, obviously, you pick a winner or a loser in your eliminator pool or stuff like that, or you do a fun ESPN or a pigskin pick'em kind of thing. But actual real money, right? And again, I'm I'm betting like a dollar and three dollars, and I'm doing very small range stuff because I'm not trying I'm not trying to get in the doghouse with my spouse by putting fifty bucks on the lions. Because if I felt like doing that, I'd just jump out the window instead. That'd be a quicker way to go. But so explain explain to me, right? Here's a scenario from this past weekend, and I'll just I'll just give you the question at the end. At halftime of the Cowboys Steelers game, the Cowboys were in the lead. If I had put three dollars on the Cowboys before the game, I believe it was plus five twenty five, depending on whether you wanted to do something that was more of a prop bet, where you choose actually how many points they win by. Just taking the Cowboys before the game, they were plus five twenty five. At halftime, since they were in the lead, taking the Cowboys to win? Yeah, taking There's the Cowboys. no way.
3: To win. Oh, I'm sorry, the Cowboys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I had it flipped in my head. Sorry. Yes. Okay. So the Cowboys plus five twenty five. I was thinking you said the Steelers, and I was like, what? Okay. It's like, where is this betting site?
8: <laughs> so, so at halftime, yeah, um, at halftime because they were in the lead, it was down to two twenty five. But I hedged it with something that I thought was very likely, which maybe that the Saints would win. So I added the Saints to it for another plus 225. Cause remember the saints were a three and a half point underdog in Tampa right. Bay before that game sure. started. Everybody's forgotten about that. Cause they they blew Tampa Bay out of the stadium right. in the first 20 minutes of the game. So is that called a hedge? What is that actually no, called? Okay, or is so, that just right, called a live? This bet?
3: is what a hedge bet is. Let's say, I don't know if I've got any, well, yeah, I'll just take football. For example, let's say in the one o'clock games, I take, The Jaguars, and I take the Carolina Panthers. Jaguars getting 14, Panthers getting four and a half. The game's about to end, and both of them are going to cover, right? And later on in the day, upon that same parlay, I take the Bills plus two. So let's say we take Bills plus two. Let me log in real quick so it'll actually let me do it. Uh sorry. I just lost the damn thing. Uh apologize. Here we go. All right. So if we if we do that and I take the Jaguars plus fourteen. Well what was the second game I said? The Panthers, right? The Panthers plus four and a half. Mm-hmm. And then I take the, at four o'clock games, I took the with, the, with the bills, plus two and a half. And let's say on a parlay, you know, I'll lay just a, you know, a typical, like, we'll say 25 bucks. If that whole thing okay. hits, if that entire thing hits, Sean, I'm going to win $143 along with what I risked. Gotcha. Hedging your bet, a true hedge, would be turning around before that four o'clock game kickoff and betting let me see if I got this right. Two hundred dollars for the Arizona Cardinals to win. Gotcha. And the Arizona Cardinals would then risking two hundred to get my 143. Now, the only problem with that is if you lose the Arizona Cardinals 143, then you're talking about what we're talking about, um, l- losing a much bigger uh, juice or uh, right. risk, excuse me. So let's say we go less than that. Let's say, okay, well, man, if, if it hits, we're going to get <laughs> – we're easily gonna get the one uh was it the the one forty three. But just to hedge my bets a little bit on the minus one forty line, let's say if I go ahead and I put a hundred bucks in. Okay. So if the Cardinals lose, but the Bills cover, I'm going to gain forty bucks no matter what, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Because even though I'm losing that $100, I bet on the Cardinals, I've already gained on the parlay the 143. Right. Right. But if the Cardinals win and the bills, don't cover there, by the way, with that spread, there's an outside chance the whole damn thing could hit. But let's just say the Cardinals win by more than two and a half. Let's say they, they win 27 to 20 and I lay, and I lay a hundred in, I'm going to get 71 back. I will lose the, the. It was essentially what seventy bucks because Buffalo mm-hmm. didn't win. But I didn't go. Right. In other words, in other words, I didn't go. Man, I went from one hundred forty three to nothing. I'm hedging my bet right. by saying, I may not get the entire one forty three, but I'll at least get seventy of it. Right. And so that's gotcha. and so that's more of a hedging of your bet. There's better options if I had a chance to, to lay it out in different scenarios and whatnot. But that's what it is. Normally when people talk about hedging their bet, it means they've done a parlay. And you, if you do a three-team parlay and you want to hedge your bet, you want two games in the early part and you just won in the late part, whether it's a 4 mm-hmm. o'clock or 8 o'clock or Monday night game. And that's what, gotcha. what, what what hedging the bet is. When you're talking about what you did – you are going for the gusto because you're taking two big underdogs. I'm assuming this was on a parlay.
8: Yeah, yeah. It was Cowboys Saints. So at halftime, the Cowboys were plus 225. They were in the lead. And the Saints were plus 325 before the game. Funny funny enough, I hit the back end, which I was less certain about. I was more certain the Cowboys would hang on, which they didn't. Yeah, um, And we, then the Saints we, covered in the back end. But I still lost the parlay because the Cowboys right. didn't cover with or win. The
3: bigger, with the bigger matchups, anything, anything over a plus 200, I would suggest don't parlay it. I would suggest getting, hmm. you take your five or ten bucks or whatever you're going to put in there and just sure. go straight up because it's a real kick in the crotch. when. So <laughs> let's say if you put ten bucks in on both of those games, Cowboys don't cover, but the Saints do. You come out of ahead, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because if it was plus two hundred for or two twenty five or where it was for them to win, you still you're, you're going to gain what almost thirty bucks, and you and you right. and you in total you 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 risk twenty. Now what's more likely yeah. to happen on a lot of situations is you lose both you lose both the damn games. But my point is, yeah. unless you're just taking five dollars and having fun with it, I'm talking about like real bets, fifty dollars, hundred dollars, whatever. if you're taking five dollars having fun with i call them long shots i don't even know if they've even ever had a name but i'll do this every once in a while and i'll throw five bucks down and try to predict two or three just ridiculous upsets and i've done some where i I felt pretty good about it and i lay five bucks down astronomical payback like a thousand plus there's always one at least one game screws you but you know it's fun to throw in so like let's say you're betting a total of three to $500 that day, you have one $5 bet. It's still, it's fun to go. Oh, look at this. Look out. out! Right. Right. The hell's going over here in the Arkansas, Florida game. And I've got, yeah, but there's always that one that if you do that, I would suggest you spread those out because you, you, you take them all at once. There's a good chance. One game. You're like, Oh man, I took them on a plus 625, hoping that thing could get close, and it's halftime, and they're down by 40. Yeah, and you're like, uh, the, screw <laughs> this. So that's, that's the basics of that. Um, let's go ahead and uh, uh, finish off with uh, – uh, oh, sorry, I got the wrong piece of paper. David Robinson. What you got on David Robinson today, sir?
8: Yep, uh, quick – Quick part as we go into the end of the show. Um, Want to talk about the admiral really quick. One of uh, one of the real stand-up gentlemen in the history of the National Basketball Association. Uh, widely considered the best basketball player in the history of the Naval Academy. Not that that's uh, a high bar, um, but amazingly, um, he had a, an incredible career um, coming out of you know the military um, and playing basketball, which is just not something that had happened before. Or since chose the number fifty after his idol Ralph Sampson. Um, won the All-American Naismith and Wooden Awards um, as an academy first classman, which means a senior. Um, In 1986, he led Navy, which was a number seven seed, to within a game of the Final Four before falling to Duke in the East Regional Final, Uh, played his first three years for the midshipman under Paul Evans, and then his senior year under Pete Herman. Um, Upon graduation, he was immediately eligible for the NBA draft, was drafted in 1987, By the san antonio spurs um, but he still had two years of active duty obligation to fulfill with the navy so didn't actually play in the nba until 1989. Um, some interesting service notes Um, he originally wanted to be an unrestricted line officer at sea uh, but he was unable to be that because he's seven foot one Um, don't know how many of our listeners or how many people have ever been in an actual naval ship uh, but that's a real challenge to be seven foot one in a naval ship. That's not, a problem.
3: You're not um, gonna be a pilot either.
8: A, <laughs> no, that's a that is a real problem. So You better learn um, how to
3: play basketball. <laughs> just
8: just, just putting that out there. He was, he was actually a threat of being dishonorably discharged just because of his height, because they couldn't find a position for him. Uh, but as a compromise, the Secretary of the Navy, John Lehman, at the time, allowed him to retrain and receive a commission as a staff officer in the Civil Engineer Corps. So he finished out his time as a civil engineering officer at Base Kings Bay in Georgia. Um, he was regularly featured in recruiting materials for the Naval Service. And um, despite the nickname Admiral, which he was never actually an admiral, Um, His actual rank upon fulfilling the service commitment was lieutenant junior grade Um, started in the basically what amounts to the 88, 89 NBA season with the San Antonio Spurs. Just some overall, you know, career highlights, two time NBA champion, 10 times all NBA, Um, the MVP in 94, 95, which unfortunately, if you search for online, you're going to get a lot of results about how mad Akeem Olajuwon was about that Akeem Olajuwon. Absolutely. Just, just, I mean, humiliated him in the playoffs that year and and really took it personally. Um, And Hakeem by all accounts is a nice guy, but I think they did not like each other very much and had a great rivalry for years and years. Um, He was the 89, 90 rookie of the year, the 91, 92 defensive player of the year, eight time, all defensive player. uh, Like I said, two time NBA champion, 93, 94 scoring champion, um, and is in the Hall of Fame. So that's David Maurice Robinson, also known as the Admiral. You can find him on Twitter at David the Admiral, just an, an incredible story, um, an incredible player, and really ahead of his time. If he played in today's game, he'd be shooting three pointers.
3: And also something I think gets overlooked by him is uh, he was a mathematics major and evidently he's really, really sharp when it comes to the world of math. So had yep. it been around, when he retired, he might have went into the analytics world, right? Um, so, uh, although analytics and basketball is just about the dumbest thing. But anyways, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. You can anal- analytic all you want. I'm not going to be able to cover LeBron James. I'm just telling you. It's, just, it's never going to happen, my friend. Never going to happen. Um, my, my last one for today, I, I know we're running out of time, so I'll, I'll cut this pretty short is uh, Christy Mathewson. Uh, Most people, I'd I'd say a lot of people probably don't know who he is, but he is looked upon as one of the greatest pitchers of the early part of the 20th century, nicknamed the Christian Gentleman. Uh, Late in the 1918 season, Mathewson enlisted in the U.S. Army for uh, World War I. His wife, Jane, very much opposed the decision, but Mathewson insisted on enlisting. He served overseas as a captain in the newly formed Chemical Service, along with Ty Cobb. Everyone forgets that Ty Cobb was actually a war hero, but uh, we won't talk about that today. We'll, then we'll save that for a future show. <laughs> but uh, Ty Cobb actually was Ty Cobb's not the terrible person that you that you've read in the headlines. There was a lot to Ty Cobb. Um, when he arrived in France, talking about Matthewson, he accidentally got ga- he was accidentally gassed during a chemical training exercise and he ended up getting tuberculosis from this and it infects his lungs. Matthewson served in the American Expeditionary forces until February of 1919 when he was discharged because of the tuberculosis. He returned as a coach to the giants from 1919 to 1921, could not pitch again. He spent a good portion of that time at uh, Saranac Lake fighting tuberculosis. Uh, Mathewson would later on uh, pass away just a few years later. Uh, Christy Mathewson Day is celebrated as a holiday in his hometown of Factoryville, Pennsylvania on the Saturday closest to his birthday. And so uh, there you have, Chris. He, he's one of my favorite stories because the guy basically... He got hit with mustard gas in a training exercise. Right, and yep. uh, the guy pitched for the New York Baseball Giants for 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 seventeen years under their greats. You know, the, the, that's when the New York Giants were at at their peak. You know, he was in the very first World Series. Uh, three hundred seventy three total wins, twenty five hundred strikeouts. But in an era where you didn't strike people out, it was looked upon as a badge of honor to not strike out, so you didn't have you know oh, this guy struck out four four times today, but he also hit a home run. People would say you're a bum, you're a bum. Um, <laughs> put the ball in play, and two time World Series champion, two time triple crown winner in in pitching, the NL wins leader in four times, ERA leader five times. Strikeout leader five times, pitched two no hitters, and the only pitcher that is revered as is, is probably better than him in his time period is the great Walter Johnson, the Train. But Damn. there are people who watched him play that say Christy Mathewson was a gamer, and that's the guy you wanted on the mound. Walter Johnson, although he had what would he have over a hundred shutouts in his career, it was something ridiculous. Walter Johnson yep. didn't step up in a lot of big moments. So that was kind of the that was the back and forth back then. I've read a couple of books on this. And essentially they say Christy Mathewson is a better version of Andy Pettit, right? You know, right. solid regular season, but man, you didn't want to face him in October. And Matt and Walter Johnson might have been closer to what Greg Maddox was. Yeah, he got a World Series title, but usually he was terrible in, in the postseason. Uh, I think that's about it, sir. Um, we've ran late, so I'm not going to do uh, turn back time or the birthdays. What, what is your walk-off for the day?
8: Find someone in your life who's a veteran. Thank them for their service to our country. Um, remember what today is really about, um, this amazing, wonderful country that we're all fortunate to live in, the greatest country in the world. It's easy to forget about that, especially if you spend too much time on your phone and too much time on social media. Uh, It's easy to listen to the noise. Um, It's hard to just stop and think uh, that we do live in the greatest country in the world. And the reason we live in the greatest country in the world is because of the people who made sacrifices for us. So find someone that's made that sacrifice, uh, whether they paid the ultimate price or not, and give them thanks today, because that's what today is about. Happy Veterans Day, everybody.
3: We're going to leave you with a uh, special commemoration that we do on this day. And the rest of it, I'll I'll play a good couple of minutes of it. The rest of it will be heard on our app because what I think is the greatest patriotic song in the history of any patriotic song, um, they always muted on Facebook. So there's no point in me... uh, playing it so i'm going to leave you with the beginning of it when, when when we when you see us disappear uh this the song will be coming up shortly after you want to hear that song if you have never heard it it is one of the greatest songs it's more of a poem but it's uh it'll give you chills if you were born anywhere in the united states we'll see you tomorrow 4 15 a.m june 5th 1944
5: Supreme Allied Commander Dwight D. Eisenhower faces a monumental decision. Whether or not to launch the D-Day invasion of France, the largest and most complex military invasion in human history. The invasion had been delayed for 24 hours because of an unpredictable summer storm. Eisenhower peppers his commanders with questions, going over every last detail. His naval commander worries about the condition of the seas and the high winds. Rough seas could sink the landing craft and drown the soldiers and sailors manning them. The invasion could become a disaster. His air chief fears that bad visibility from low cloud cover would lead his paratroopers to be dropped over too vast an area, and then be annihilated by the Nazi forces but Eisenhower knows that if he delays secrecy will be difficult if not impossible to maintain 150,000 troops American British and Canadian are massed along the English coast awaiting Eisenhower's orders knowing that thousands or perhaps tens of thousands of allied soldiers will likely have to die to overcome the enemy defenses but it has to be done the fate of freedom in the world hangs in the balance okay we'll go he says now there is no turning back
7: I walked through a county courthouse square on a park bench an old man was sitting there. I said, the old courthouse is kind of run down. He said, no, it'll do for our little town. I said, "Your old flagpole has leaned a little bit and that's a ragged old flag you got hanging on it. He said, have a seat. And I sat down. Is this the first time you've been to our little town? I said, I think it is, he said, I don't like to brag, but we're kind of proud of that ragged old flag. You see, we got a little hole in that flag there when Washington took it across the Delaware. And it got powder burned the night that Francis Scott Key said, watching it, writing, say, can you see? And it got a bad rip in New Orleans With Pakenham and Jackson tugging at its seams And it almost fell at the Alamo Beside the Texas flag, but she waved on though She got cut with a sword at Chancellorsville And she got cut again at Shiloh Hill There was Robert E. Lee, Beauregard and Bragg and the south wind blew hard on that ragged old flag. On Flanders Field in World War I, she got a big hole from a bertha gun. She turned blood red in World War II. She hung limp and low a time or two. She was in Korea, Vietnam. She went where she was sent by her uncle Sam. She waved from our ships upon the briny foam, and now they've about quit waving back here at home. In her own good land here, she's been abused. She's been burned, dishonored, denied, and refused. And the government for which she stands is scandalized throughout the land. And she's getting threadbare, and she's wearing thin, but she's in good shape for the shape she's in. Oh, she's been through the fire before and i believe she can take a whole lot more so we raise her up every morning we take her down every night we don't let her touch the ground and we fold her upright. on second thought i do like to brag because i'm mighty proud of that ragged old clap.
2: Old Hickory said we could take them by surprise If we didn't fire muskets till we looked them in the eye We held our fire till we saved their faces well Then we opened up our swirl guns and really gave them well We fired our guns and the British kept coming There wasn't as many as there was a while ago We fired once more and they began to run it Down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico (laughs) <laughs> Goodbye sweetheart well, it's time to go We're back tomorrow With another show Well Unless we're fired We'll talk to you then
3: Goodbye, sweetheart. Goodbye. Goodbye. Guys and gals, it's time to go. We'll see you on the next show. Same back time, same back channel. Thanks for listening to Armchair Quarterback Radio, your first choice for sports talk here on the First Coast. <laughs> armchair quarterback radio comes your way every day find armchair quarterbacks radio on facebook today and don't forget to tap that app the armchair quarterbacks app is free to download and you can take us anywhere you go you can hear the whole show every day on armchair quarterbacks app you haven't downloaded it yet, the Armchair Quarterbacks app is the best app you can tap today. Google Android, Apple iPhone, that's right, download it, tap that app today. You can take the Armchair Quarterbacks app anywhere. Free to download, free to use, and important to have. Download it today. Tap that Armchair Quarterbacks app for the best in Southeast sports talk. Listen live or catch the replay. I kind of like that.
4: I want to tap that.